Congratulations, hindsight is actually 2020 now. Here are a few other memes about 2020 that I found to be funny. The first rule about 2021 is don't talk about 2020. If 2020 were a drink, what kind of drink would it be? Colonoscopy prep. And then there's the whole toilet paper hoarding thing. Do I really need to say more? Most years looking back on previous seasons or the most recent year of life can actually be kind of fun, but sometimes it can also be frustrating, especially when we see something we should have done differently, prioritized differently, or something that we wish would have just gone differently. As we start 2021, I think all of us have a different perspective about life moving forward, different than most years, whether it's the value of friendships, the relationships, or family you miss seeing. The importance of gatherings of really any kind, church, family, or just sort of hanging out at a restaurant. The prevalence of racism still hurting our sisters and brothers of color. The tragic impact of COVID on the families of almost 350,000 people who have died since March. Today, I want to share two scriptures that I read now with a little different perspective than I did in previous years. The first one is something I remember reading as a little kid, and it's in the New Testament towards the end in the book of James. Now, James is the brother of Jesus who wrote this letter that survived antiquity. And in this letter, he writes very practical ideas and principles about what following Jesus looks like. We're going to be in James chapter 4. If you want to follow in the Bible app, you can go to the More menu option, select Events, you can find our church. The notes and verses will also be in the notes section of the chat and on the screen as well. James chapter 4, verse 13. Look here, you who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Doesn't this verse read differently in the midst of this pandemic? Like, we can't assume anything about the future or the economy. James continues in verse 14. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Now, pre-COVID, we might say, well, that is somewhat true. But in COVID, we might push back a little bit and say, actually, my life seems to be the same today as it was yesterday and the day before that. Except that there have been a few surprises, mostly not good surprises. James continues. Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. That our lives are relatively short and dependent on God, and we can't control as many circumstances of our lives as we like to think we can. Verse 16, otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. That 2020 pushed you to stay home a lot, 2020 pushed you into a job as a school teacher, a yard duty, a lunch lady, a principal, student support, guidance counselor, and that's just for one of your children. 2020 pushed you to learn or relearn things most prominently, how to work from home, exercise at home, remember how to cook at home. But you had different plans for 2020, most likely. Plans that you that would help you and those around you. So what plans did you have for 2020 that never came to fruition? Maybe a trip or trips that you plan. Maybe making progress on some project, career advancement, or physical fitness. What has been the most disappointing thing you, uh, for you personally about 2020? What have you lost? Because maybe for some of us, this will be the most important thing we do to start the year, is to acknowledge the loss that we've had. At the start of the last year, we did a similar message called 2020 Hindsight, where we asked the question, what is one thing you should focus on in 2020? What is the one thing that when you look back on 2020, you would say, I should have focused on that. And then we looked at the powerful story of Nehemiah from the Old Testament. And we highlighted one clarifying verse that really expresses with simplicity what many of us need to hear. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 3 says this, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. 
Something that we all sort of have in common is that we can all get distracted. And we get distracted by good things. However, the things that I get distracted by are never as important as the things I get distracted from. And then we look back at 2020 and it just sort of seems like one long distraction. Because like Nehemiah, you and I are doing a great work. Raising kids, leading teams at work, working in a way that represents something about Jesus. Becoming the man or woman that God wants you to be. Preparing for the future with education, training, or maybe you're just waiting. You're trying to survive or just trying to survive a global pandemic. That you are doing a great work, but if you and I don't take time to assess our situation, then we can get distracted or prioritize things or people other than what is most important. Losing focus in some areas of our lives is not that big of a deal. Losing focus in some seasons of our lives is not that big of a deal. But there are certain things that if you take your eye off that ball, you might wake up in five to 10 years down the road and wonder how you got here. You wonder, how did I get on this track that I don't remember choosing? So as we start 2021, I thought it could be good to quickly read through this story because really much has changed since last year. The same verses that we read, that we read last year, will probably read differently this year, just like the passage from James earlier. If you don't know, Nehemiah is a Jewish exile who who lived in Persia, serving King Artaxerxes I in 444 BC. For some context, in the years leading up to this, Israel was sort of in disarray with the nation's armies, with other nations' armies marching back and forth, raiding, stealing, taking whatever they wanted from Israel. It began with the Assyrians, and then the Babylonians took over the Assyrians, and then they took the best and the brightest from Jerusalem back to Babylon, which included a guy named Daniel. Uh, Then the Persians, with Cyrus the Great, gave the Israelites the opportunity to go back to Jerusalem. So thousands of people left and went back. Nehemiah stayed in Persia and became the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes I. Now, part of his family did go back to Jerusalem, but then they came to visit him in Persia. And so Nehemiah asked his brother, well, how are things going in Jerusalem? So Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 says this, They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire that the Jewish people were very vulnerable during this time, that for a city, especially a capital city, it is both dangerous and humiliating not to have a wall or a gate. It'd be kind of similar to not having a front door in your house. Like it wouldn't, it would be much harder to keep people out of your house or to protect yourself and your family. And in a much bigger way, this is the case of what the city felt like. They, they never really felt safe. That the city was sort of feeling this this tension of not being able to take care of their people. That they couldn't keep the people out who really wanted to take advantage of the city. And and they really couldn't protect themselves. So Nehemiah knows he needs to do something, but he isn't too sure of what. And so we read this in verse 4. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. That really Nehemiah asked for God's help and wisdom. And as simple and as obvious as this might sound, maybe this is the application for you today. That if 2020 has taught us anything, we don't know what 2021 will bring us, right? We really don't. And starting the new year praying and listening to God might be the most productive and efficient thing we do all year. That with God's help, Nehemiah sort of comes up with a plan that actually could have been quite dangerous for him. It involved a layer of risk. That Nehemiah is going to go to talk to King Artaxerxes I and ask for time off to help rebuild Jerusalem for his family and for his people. 
Now, in our modern employment environment, this doesn't seem too gutsy, right? But remember, this is during a time that if you don't work, you don't necessarily eat. However, King Artaxerxes agrees to Nehemiah's plan and he gives him all the resources he needs to help the people in Jerusalem. Now, I want to give a disclaimer here. To be very clear, the book of Nehemiah is not evidence for or against the idea that the U.S. should build a wall at our southern border. There are two important points about that. Number one, the context in this situation with Nehemiah is quite different from our current situation. Number two, King Artaxerxes and Nehemiah are helping build a wall for their neighbors, not directly for themselves. This would be more similar to the U.S. sending resources to train and develop security teams in other countries to help protect that country from those bad guys, whoever they might be. So back to the story. Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem and he comes up with a plan. He knows he can't do it himself, and so he assigns each family a place on the wall that is closest to where they live. So everyone gets their work assignment and then they just get to work. And so Nehemiah is trying to sort of bring back the self-esteem of the people who have really been disgraced, which was good news for those people. For, for everyone that lived in the city or around the city of Jerusalem, this was good news. But this was not good news for the people that had been sort of taking advantage of Jerusalem, taking advantage of the people inside the city. Because a walled city threatened their security and the status quo. And so these people from outside the city begin to sort of intimidate the workers working on the wall, begin to attack the families of the workers. And the ringleader for those opposing the rebuilding of the wall was a guy named Sanballat. Sanballat becomes so desperate because he saw that Nehemiah was not stopping the work on the wall because of the intimidation or because of the attacks, which maybe that's what happened previously. They just intimidated or attacked people and then they stopped rebuilding the wall. So we pick up this story in Nehemiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab... And the rest of our enemies found out I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors and the gates. Verse 2. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Basically, they're saying, like, let's just get together. Let's grab some coffee. Let's talk. We just want to meet you and talk to you. But Nehemiah says, but I realized they were plotting to harm me. That they were basically going to have Nehemiah come down off the wall and sort of get him isolated from his supporters so that they can then murder him. But Nehemiah knows this. He realizes this is happening. Verse 3. So I replied by sending this message to them. And what follows is really the statement that really could help you have some clarity in this really uncertain season. This next statement is particularly helpful when you're tempted, and really we all are tempted, everyone is tempted at some point, with really choosing the instant over the ultimate or choosing what we want now over what we value most, what is optional over what is essential. And one more caveat before I give you this statement. Nehemiah didn't just assign work to the other people and then he sort of supervised. Nehemiah assigned himself work on the wall as well because he's really a good leader, as we're going to see in just a second. So when the messenger from Sambalot shows up and, and Nehemiah is sort of up on this wall working again on the wall, the messenger looks up to Nehemiah and he tells him, these men want to have a conversation with you. They want to have a meeting with you. And so verse 3 says this, So I replied by sending this message to them. I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Now I want you to repeat this with me because this is a powerful phrase. Ready? I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. What should be the most important thing to you in 2021? I want you to think about that as we say this again. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Now, I'm sure you wouldn't do this, but this verse could be misused. Like, the key here is to defining what is a great work. Because in this context, a great work is for the community, not just for selfish gain. A great work is for everyone, 
but particularly for the vulnerable. A great work requires sacrifice from the influential, and a great work involves some level of risk. A great work has roles for everyone. That you can't just justify some sort of great work that really is selfish, that really promotes individualism or that helps the influential, while, sacrifice, while requiring sacrifice from the marginalized. That a great work isn't completely safe and it doesn't happen with, from the work of just a few people. What is the great work that you need to prioritize this year? So Nehemiah replies to Sambalot's meeting request that would stop work on the wall by saying this. He says, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Nehemiah knows that this meeting and Sambalot were really just distractions. That anytime you and I try to promote the welfare of others, we should also expect some people to, to be displeased and sort of become distractions for us. That there will be distractions from others, but there will also be distractions from ourselves at times. And Nehemiah gives us a question that really we should all ask when distractions come our way. He says, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? That why should I stop doing what's most important for something less important? Why should I stop doing that? Why should I stop doing this to do that, to do that meeting with you? That we know what God wants us to do, most of us. And personally, we know this sort of in our family, in our academics, in our careers, in our community. But isn't it so easy to get distracted? That why would we come down from what is most important and maybe even what we think God wants us to do to do something less important? And unfortunately, Nehemiah, like Nehemiah, we usually don't face distractions just once, right? Verse 4 says this, Four times they sent the same message, and each time I gave them the same reply. Like they were basically saying, like, what about next weekend? What about next week? How about you just give me a day that works for you? The thing was, this wasn't a scheduling conflict. Now, this might be the most important part for someone to hear today. This was a priority conflict that Nehemiah already seemed to decide he wouldn't come. And so he didn't stop working to check his schedule or check his calendar for something that was not most important or was not what God called him to do. And so his reply was, I'm engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Four times, four different times he was distracted with that. Now, for some of you, you might need to just sort of categorically say no to some things for this season of COVID and this season of your life. No for now, but not forever. And these might not be bad or wrong things. These might just be things that right now are not the best thing. That there are going to be opportunities and invitations that, that are mostly good. And these opportunities might be fine for another season, but not for this season of life. Maybe for some of you, you're a student or maybe you're dating. And if you're dating, I'm really curious what that looks like right now. But it, maybe you have little kids or maybe you have older kids or maybe you are single or older. These are all sort of different seasons of life. And in order to get done what you know you need to get done, you might have to categorically say no to those things. This isn't something that I'm going to do in this season. That we are doing a great work or you are doing a great work so you can't. So what is your great work in 2021? What obstacles or distractions do you need to remove or ignore? Now, I would like to do some of the work for you to apply this message in this sort of strange season, but I think what maybe might be more helpful is to take the step that Nehemiah took at the very beginning. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So as we start 2021, we're going to take a minute and 30 seconds, just a minute and 30 seconds, to reflect and listen to God as we start 2021. Now, if you're like me, uh, it would be really easy to use this minute and 30 seconds to do something more productive. 
Um, but here's the problem that 2020 has reminded all of us of. We don't know what the new year will bring, but we have an opportunity right now to talk and listen to someone who does. So use this opportunity right now to ask God these questions and then be quiet and listen. God, what is your great work for me in 2021? What obstacles or distractions do you need to remove or do I need to remove or maybe just ignore? So take this minute and 30 seconds right now to do that, and then I'll come back and lead us in a short prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this story of Nehemiah. Thank you, God, for being able to learn from it and sort of use it to lead us into this new year. God, really thank you for helping us through 2020. It just seems so crazy and so uh, so different and so challenging at times. And God, there's really so many people that right now are really suffering because of 2020. And so God, we ask first that you'd please be with them and please help them and help us to do what we can to help them as well. But God, we do ask that you would help us to know what we should do with the new year. That God, you help us to see what is the great work that you have for us in 2021. And God, would you help us to stay focused on that? That no doubt there are going to be distractions. There are going to be things that are going to be that are going to try to vie for our attention. There are going to be people that try to pull us away from what really you want us to focus on. So God, would you help us to identify those obstacles, those distractions? Would you help us to know what things you need to take care of and you need to get rid of in our lives? And God, would you help us to know what steps we need to take to get rid of those distractions or obstacles as well. God, we ask for your help. God, we ask that you would help us at the end of 2021 to look back and say, that prayer, starting off the year that way, really helped, uh, helped me to have a better 2021. That God, we can look to you and say, God, thank you so much for helping us. Thank you for for giving me the the vision and and the hearing to be able to know exactly what you want me to do in those situations. Thank you for helping me to know what I should focus on. What is the great work that you have for me? God, would you help us to be able to look back on this year with that focus and that perspective? God, would you help us to avoid the regret that we might have if we don't? And God, would you help us to take the time right now and also maybe the next few days, the next several weeks, as we sort of start each day, that we would look to you and say, what is the great work that you want me to do today? And God, you'd help us and equip us, give us the power and the courage to actually go and do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.